welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your Rebellion host, Andrea Atherton, Mindset and Love Coach, here to talk about the title, Who Do You Think You Are? So the title isn't trying to be sarcastic, although it is a little ironic that we don't really know ourselves as well as we think we do. Studies have shown that we can pinpoint our neurosis, our anxiety, and some negative behavioral traits. But assessing our own intelligence, creativity, and more objective parts of ourselves, we actually struggle with. And people outside ourselves who witness us can actually be better judges on some qualities. If we're not on the path to self-awareness, sometimes we get locked in to who we think we want to present and think other people are seeing the same things. We leave clues to who we truly are. On our podcast today, our guest is Tamar Medford. At 46, she discovered something pretty incredible and significant about herself, even though it was something she knew at age 12, but wasn't able to put it into a context and embrace that part of herself. Tamara's story reminds me that we were ever evolving, and if we choose the path of self-awareness, the journey really never ends. So listeners, put your ear pods on, pull up a chair, or turn the radio up while you're driving and listen in on Tamara's story. Without further ado, Tamar Medford. Welcome, Tamar. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. Well, it's I'm so glad to finally get you on. We met a, a, about a year ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and your story was completely different then. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment, but um, tell us a little bit more about you, or tell the listeners a little bit more about you. Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Tamar Medford, and I'm a NeuroChange Method Master Practitioner. And really, my mission in life is to help women create a life so good for themselves that they never want to go back to their old way of living. And, you know, I do that through writing. I'm an author. I'm also a podcast host of the You're Sober Now What podcast. And I've just actually entered into the realm of long-term sobriety, which is considered 10 years beyond. And, you know, I you really, your, you get your tenure and I got my writing. tenure. I feel like I'm kind of a teenager now when it comes to recovery, like I'm making smarter choices. Um, but ultimately, it's sharing our experience and what we go through to help others realize they're not alone in this this journey. And that's one thing about sobriety and getting over any kind of addiction is feeling isolated and alone. And you're the only person feeling those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Mm hmm. So a year ago, what was going on? What were we going to talk about on our podcast episode? So I think we had talked about, I believe a year ago, I had left my corporate job. Yes. Um, it was very, very, I, I, March of 2021. And I, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I mean, I ultimately stayed because that's what I thought I needed to do, right? The security, um, the money, that kind of thing. But there really was no security. And So I actually decided to leave after a coach friend of mine called me out and just said, you know, 
when you quit drinking, did you leave a bottle of vodka in the cupboard just in case you wanted to go back? And I was like, no. Uh, Yeah, right. Good one. (laughs) And so I took that leap of faith. And at that time I was in a relationship, um, and it was, it was going okay, but we definitely had some issues. You know, we weren't emotionally connected. We didn't know each other's love language. He was a wonderful man. Um, we actually ended up separating, uh, the summer, actually a year ago, because I had decided at the age of 46, I'd never lived by myself before. Right. And I had always been with roommates or, you know, in relationships. And so, I decided that I wanted to move out on my own. He was caretaking, so it worked out well for him. He could get another client. And in that, he actually thought that I was going to leave him. And so we ended up breaking up for a short period. And then he realized, wait a minute, like I'm going to lose the best thing that's happened to me. And um, we ended up actually getting back together a few weeks later. He he fought for me. He you know, he did so good. He did all the things that I wanted a man to do for me at that point. Right. And I did really, really love him. Well, you know, to backtrack a little bit, uh, the year prior, I had written my first book, which was a story about my life. And some things had come up about, you know, uh, when I was younger, fooling around with a friend and questioning my sexuality. And I think, you know, I had always kind of questioned it, not that I was you know, one way or another, another, but I never really explored that side of myself. And so I always had that kind of in the back of my head, you know, I see these, these people being brave and going against what the society norms are. And they're, they're actually living the life that they're meant to live. And I felt like I was doing that in every single, almost every single aspect of my life, except that. Isn't that funny how that works? And and that's what I said. Oh, I want to change just this one area of my life, but it doesn't work like that. You change one and it's like dominoes. And then you're, you, you get this clarity on all the other places. Yeah, absolutely. And every, I believe everything happens for a reason. And so I was questioning it, right? I confided in a friend of mine and just said, this has come up. And she said, well, why don't you explore it? And I said, well, I'm in a relationship. And and we actually got engaged in October of last year. And so I believe now I said yes, you know, because I did, I did love him. But I think I said yes more so that I, that meant I wouldn't have to explore that side. That meant I didn't have to put myself on 100% because I feel like I was 99%, you know, open about my journey. I didn't hide anything, especially when it comes to my recovery, but there was that one thing that was still there. And so, you know, we had, um, carried on, we were engaged and of March of this year, uh, we finally decided to end things. You know, we just weren't on the same path. We're friends today. But after that had happened, I actually got a reading from a friend of mine who's an astrologer and she had said, you know, there's, there's some discrepancies here and she had no idea that we had separated. And she goes, you know, there's, there's, um, this is a time for you to explore your sexuality. And of course that came up again. (laughs) And And that's, and that's an interesting time after you newly get engaged to explore your sexuality. I mean, what comes to mind is like, well, ethical non-monogamy or polyamory. I'm like, I'm like, I imagine that might've popped into your head too. Yeah. I'm a serial monogamist. And so I I know my friends always joke around about that because I can talk the talk, but when it comes down to it, I'm a relationship sort of girl, but yeah, that being 
like when she said that, I was like, okay, this is coming up again. It came up during the book. It came up now. And so I actually went to, you know, a close friend of mine and I told her everything. And I said, you know, this is how I feel. I feel like I need to explore this now. And she was so supportive and happy. Um, another friend of mine actually at that time on the the weekend, she left me one of those Marco Polos and she's like, Tamar, I've noticed some different things about you. Like something was off this week. There's stuff you're not saying. And we were doing some hypnotherapy. Didn't that come up on the, you said on the podcast when you were working on the podcast together? (laughs) Yes, we were. And you know, it's out on the podcast now. I've openly talked about it. Uh, And that's why I think I'm able to talk about it here. But I had told her everything, right? I said, this is how I feel. I feel I need to explore that. And so I did. And, you know, today I'm just recently in a relationship with a woman and it's scary. I mean, it's exciting. It, but it, it, I think I stopped myself from doing it because of society, because what would people think? Would people judge? Because the, uh, particularly this, the city that I live in, it's outside of Vancouver it's a very religious community, right? And so there still is that stigma along with addiction as well. But I just thought, you know what? I don't want to be one of those people who settles for a life that doesn't fulfill them. And so now I talk openly about it. And I hope that, you know, maybe other people who are drinking to suppress that, you know, will maybe hear this and say, oh, okay, maybe that's something I need to explore because you can love who you love. Are you, do you really relate that connection now that you were really drinking to kind of bury that, that need, that want of yours? I think so, because I remember when I'd done a hypnotherapy session right after I had decided to talk about being bisexual, I went back to a time when I was 12 and 14, where I remember having a crush on a girl. And I also had crushes on boys though. And it was one or the other. So I'm like, well, if I still really am attracted to men, that it can't be, right? And I mean, that's obviously very different. But yeah, it. Um, I think that's why, because I was attracted to both. So it didn't matter. And it's matter. interesting. I know now I'm totally heterosexual, but I was, I've been attracted to women. Yeah. I mean, women are beautiful. Come on. I'm like, in, in, is it would, hard to put yourself in a box? I, you know, I don't like putting myself in a box. I feel like there's already so much division in this world. And, you know, and people may disagree with my opinion, but I mean, I I consider myself to be bisexual. I, I feel like you can love who you want and it's okay. Right. I don't, I don't, I actually had a close friend of mine tell, you know, don't, don't go labeling yourself because I, you know, may go back to men one day. I don't know that, you know, but I mean, I went and saw Top Gun and I mean, that scene where they're playing football. I don't know if you've seen Top Gun. Not yet, no. Oh, that, I mean, I could watch that over and over again. So there's clearly the attraction to men as well. You're leaving your job and feeling really fulfilled in your new position and this freedom that you had kind of unleashed the other things, like in especially writing and... Yeah. yeah, it was, I think, finally seeking my purpose. And that's one of the things that I really Ooh. work with women on is that, you know, I was doing what I thought I had to do to make myself happy. I had to get the job. I was in the relationship, you know, because we were together for eight years. And from the outside, you would think, wow, you know, she's got it together. She's got a good career. But I, you know, I had anxiety every Sunday knowing I had to wake up the next day and go to a job that I didn't hate 
but I, it didn't fill my cup. And I see so many women struggling right now because they're afraid to do what lights them up, right? They're afraid to do what makes them happy because it's like, well, I got to take care of my family. I got to stay in my marriage because what if the kids, you know, and I, I, I don't know. We only, we're only here once we get one chance at this. It makes me think about what was drilled into my head when I was younger. Yep. And even though I was in New York, newer Vancouver in Canada, it's just like it's still, you know, that same thing that this is what you need to do. You need to do this and this yeah. and this and take the safe way, safe route out. Yeah. Yeah. And and, that, and that's such an inner turmoil because it's like not knowing what's going to happen, even though that's what how we find our purpose and what keeps us alive and, you know, living our best life. And mm -hmm. I can see where you made that transition. You're telling other women to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, you know, some of my first clients, it, we started off really simple, but as soon as they got that vision of maybe I can do more and they started to do that, they started to love waking up every day. And I think where it really helps, especially because a lot of people are struggling right now is with resilience and when times get tough, which they do, you know, I can't. I've had probably, I would say, the toughest year of my recovery in year 9, 10. Then I have like so much stuff happened. But even though there was dark times, I could always see the light. It was never a, are things going to get better? It's like, things are going to get better. I can feel these emotions. It's okay to not be okay. And I see that with other women who do go on this journey to discover what they're meant to do. And they start living that out and, you know, being passionate about what they do even when things, you know, things go sideways, it's okay because they're like, you know what? I'm still doing what I love. I know I'm going to be okay. And that's resilience is important. That reminds me of something that I've heard over and over in the program is no matter what, you can stay sober. No matter what, you can stay on your path. No matter what, you can stay in integrity with your authentic self. Yep. So talking more about fear. What did you discover that came up? I think for me, it was really how would people react? I knew that my friends, I mean, I have an amazing support network. Um, you know, I've built a really, I believe in community. I think that as women, like you said, right, when we talk with our friends, there's just something really special about having these intimate conversations where we know somebody's listening to us. So I knew that wouldn't be a factor, but I think the biggest adjustment for me is doing something that is a little different, right? I mean, if you go into Vancouver, there's certain areas in Vancouver where, you know, the, the community is, is much larger and it's, it's, it's more, I'm not going to say normal because I think it is, you know, being normalized now, but it's more, there's many more people who are exploring, what is it called? Sexual fluidity or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, Whereas here it wasn't. So that, that did scare me, right? The, okay, what if she grabs my hand in public? How am I going to feel about that? Like, am I going to pull away? And my fear is always hurting someone else, right? Because I'm afraid to be my authentic self. So it's pushing myself to do things that I normally wouldn't do because I also have someone else's feelings to think about, right? And that weighs on my heart a lot. So I think that's helped me in a way be able to start to, you know, hold hands or, you know, we went to the movies and held hands and, you know, I 
right away, I'm like, oh, what are the people behind us going to think? But I did it anyway, because eventually that's just going to become normal. And this is part of the topic. It's like, who do you think you are? We don't really know ourselves as much as we think we do. No, no. And I thought about this a lot before we recorded today. And I'm like, okay, other people see us in their own projection and project things onto us, yet they know us better than we know ourselves. And that kind of freaked me out. I was like, then we really know ourselves a very small bit. And we have to depend on other people to give us feedback. So, and like you, it's getting feedback from people you trust and really Mm -hmm. see you and that you've really opened up to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it is, I think, just starting the conversation, right? When this came up, I was told to tell my friends, my close friends, because I needed a safe space in which I could explore this. And not that I'm going to give every detail of what's going on in my my life, but being able to tell friends, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going to explore and them going cool, because that means that I don't have to hide it, right? I can go on a date and not go, okay, well, we can't go here because if I run into some friends, like my friends know. And if I ran into them, it's okay. But I think we need that safe space. We're only as sick as our secrets. Exactly. <laughs> and they really, and sometimes we, they're even secret to us. You know, those, yeah. those parts of ourselves that we bury leak out. We can't, we can't jail them. We can't dismiss them because they are part of who we are and part of our purpose and why we're here in an expression of ourselves. And especially in our, our partners, in our sexuality, it's, it's huge. And especially, I'm sorry, us as women, I know men believe that it is, but I think it's really a part of our confidence and a part of that really uh, piece of the pie of who we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and any women that I've worked with, that have taken that leap of faith and thought, okay, I'm going to start to do what I love. None of them have ever regretted it, right? It's, it's, I know for myself, it took me 10 years of working my recovery program day in and day out. You know, I had a lull in between there, but I always did something pretty much every day. It took me 10 years to finally address this, right? And I think it all comes out in, you know, the timing of it all was, I don't think it was a coincidence, but Sometimes it's hard, right? And sometimes we just need that little push where you're like, and that's where my my co-host on the podcast is so amazing, is she's not afraid to talk about those kind of topics. She's not afraid to talk about what she's been through. And in turn, that can help other women hopefully open up and go, hey, you know what? I'm attracted to women too, or I'm, you know, whatever, whatever it is to just become your yourself. And we're needing that so much. And I think during the lockdown and and during these times, it's really, really got us down to the core of what am I avoiding and what am I not looking at and how do I live? Like you keep saying, your best life. Stick in that direction. And I, I feel like people are really overcoming their fears. But in that, we have to look at the things we've been ignoring too, which is is hard. And how did you do that? And how do you teach other women to do that? So emotions, I think, really comes into play here because I um, I suppressed my emotions with drugs and alcohol for 22 years. And 
I, I remember, you know, when I had the crush on the two girls that I, I can remember at 12 and 14, I believe that did play a part of me, you know, really going full on into my alcoholism. Mind you, it runs in my family, but I didn't want to feel the, the emotions, right? Because I think we grew up in the society that tells us that if you're emotional or you cry, you're, it's, that shows weakness. But now, it, you know, we know it shows strength. So it was connecting to that, like, what am I doing in my life? And, you know, it's not only drugs and alcohol for me, it's food, right? It was codependency. Um, it can be sex, shopping for other women. I, I don't know anybody really who hasn't struggled from one coping mechanism or another. I'm just noticing, even though maybe we can't go into the full-blown DSM-5 addiction diagnosis, mm -hmm. but we all have ways that we check out. You know, and as we're brought up, there's certain feelings we're allowed to express and others we're not. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I learned how to feel my emotion. I think I cried more the first year of my recovery than I had my whole entire life combined. So I think that opened the that opened the door. But like I said, discovering your purpose, I think that was a big thing for me. Um like when I finally had that direction and vision where I thought, well, maybe this is possible. I started to surround myself with people who had what I wanted, who were doing things. And I started to learn from them. Um, and then it came the beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, one of my mentors told me, you know, two people can have the same goal. They can do the same actions to achieve that goal, but it's the person that believes in their ability to accomplish it that will accomplish it. And I see that with so many people is they go after something, but we're so hard on ourselves because of previous patterns, because of the way we were raised. It's like, oh, maybe we can't do that, right? I think in health, that comes up a lot with us as women. And then what do we do? Our emotions, we don't want to feel them. So we use something, you know, and I tied loneliness and even in my relationships to overeating, binge eating, right? When I'm lonely, even when I'm with someone, what do I want to do? I want to grab a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and numb those feelings. So that awareness and being, you know, more mindful and aware of the actions you're taking and why you're doing them and having the conversations. Yeah. And, and it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy to do, but it's worthwhile. Yeah to do that. And yeah, it's scary and fear can really hold us back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And being so disconnected from from those things or parts of ourselves that we're fearful of. Yeah, absolutely. So you were recently engaged in how did you explain this to your former fiance? <laughs> well, I just so we had separated back in March. And I think, you know, if we really look at it, things were over before, because he had things he wanted to do in his life, you know, he wanted to go on missions trips and, and experience, um, you know, being able to give back. And I had a different life because of my career. So it was kind of over before that point, I think we just really loved each other, but more as friends. And so recently we've, um, not reconnected because we don't, you know, hang out, but I, we have a similar circle of friends. So I knew that I would bump into him at some point and he had reached out for a reason. And I just said, listen, I want to tell you, um, I have decided to start dating women. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> right. He was shocked. Was he surprised? <laughs> Well, he was, yes. Um, but of course, he's thinking, is it my fault? 
again, which we kind of laughed about before we started recording. And I'm like, no, it had nothing to do with you, right? I've had these feelings for a while off and on, like they, they go away. Um, and I said, I'm still attracted to men. And I said, but I feel like I need to explore this because I don't want to leave this planet knowing that I didn't explore something that could actually give me great pleasure, right? And that could fulfill my life in a way that I'm not getting right now. And he was actually very supportive of it. Um, you know, he said, don't worry, I won't tell anybody. And I said, Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a good conversation at the end of it all. I actually felt like I got a lot of closure in that relationship. Um, because I feel like, you know, not that we're going to hang out and be buddy, buddy all the time, but I just felt like it was another step for me to be honest in my life's journey and not have to hide something. Well, and you said you were always afraid of hurting other people and that probably was a huge step for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's living your sobriety, right? Right. That's going, okay, I have this opportunity. It's presented itself. I'm going to tell him and it's out of respect for him hearing it from me and not from somebody else. And so he was fine, but he actually joked around. He said, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a lesbian. I'm like, no, probably not, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then he, then he felt then, like he said, he took it, he took personalization. Did I do that? Is there something I did that made you turn to women, turn you off from men so much? Yeah. And not at all. Right. It's just, it's a hundred percent me. It's where my heart's leading. It's where my journey's leading me. You know, I think things present themselves at the right time. And, and, you know, it's that intuition that I think we need to listen to a little bit more. Yeah. So you don't feel like you've wasted time. No, because I think everything that I've done has got me to where I am today. Right. Do I, there's, I have, you know, I had regrets previously, But really, I'm 46 now, and I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. And I know a lot of other Gen X women that feel the same way. They're like, I'm loving life. Like, I'm deciding to do what I want to do now. And this is where, like, same with me. My podcast, my, you know, my daughter, I'm an empty nester now. And I'm, like, taking all these risks. And I think it's so important. We have so much life left. Absolutely. And it's time, right? A lot of people you talk to, it's like, I have no time. You know, well, we get one shot at this. So make the most of it, right? Because my, you know, my ex used to say that, well, we'll do that when we're retired. And I'm like, no, because I may not be here tomorrow, right? I think that's a lot of people's attitude nowadays. It's changed a lot. And I know, like, but my grandparents retired early, like he was 55 when my grandfather, re- when he retired and he lived till he was 90. So they did all this stuff. And, you know, we're not retiring so early. Live while you're working, not waiting for it. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us about what it's like for you to date a woman now. It's exciting. Um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't, I tried to go into it without any expectations. Uh, I believe in being honest. So, you know, when my partner and I started dating, I actually, she was, you know, we'd met up a couple of times on the weekend and then she was going away for a few days and I was going on my road trip. I went, drove down to San Francisco for two and a half weeks and, So we actually got to really connect in an emotional way, which I think was really nice because it wasn't physical, you know, in the beginning, it was more, you know, getting on the phone, doing, we did a, she actually did, which this was incredible. 
she set up a Zoom date. You know, when I was finally in San Jose, she's like, do you want to do, have you ever done a Zoom date? And I said, no. And so she actually ordered in dinner for where I was staying, sent flowers, which was super cool. Oh my gosh, it's such a great idea. I know, right? <laughs> and I was like, is this too quick? And then I thought, wait a minute, I have to change my thinking because if I was on a date with a man and they did that, I wouldn't even question them. They'd be like, oh, they're so sweet, right? So I have to remember that as women, these are just the things we do, which that was really cool. And, you know, so we had that two and a half weeks where we talked every day and we texted and we got on the phone. And so that was really, I think that was, that helped with our connection. And then, you know, we've hung out a few times since I've been back and it's, I have to remember that, you know, I'm communicating with a woman who it's just like communicating with a friend. It's not communicating with a man where we have somewhat different styles of communication, which that has been really fascinating. And then as you move on, there's, there are different challenges as I've learned from, from friends and clients. It it is, it's probably a huge adjustment for you. It is. And it, but it's, I'm trying to look at it as fun. And I'm also, I'm not afraid, like she's very, um, she's an EA, right? So she deals with children, but she is very good at communicating. And so I will tell her, okay, this is what I'm fearful of. And, and in the beginning, it was more, okay, what if, what if I don't like this, right? I'm, I'm new. And what if it backfires and I end up hurting you? Because ultimately that's something that I don't want to go into this and be kind of scared off because I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't for me and hurt somebody else. So I'm being very, uh, I'm communicating right up front and saying, this is my fear. This is well, that's why. what you said. That's been the underlying things for a lot of choices that you've made. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I don't, you know, if, if, if I don't communicate that and I jump, you know, all in and I do end up hurting this person, right. That will, that weighs on me. I mean, I have no control over how someone else responds and she knows that, you know, she's the first woman that I've been with, but at the same time, I think that I have a part in everything that I do too. So as long as I communicate that effectively, I think that really helps in our relationship and, you know, the response I get is, is, okay, that's great. Thank you for letting me know, right? And she's given me a safe space as well to explore that and asks me a lot of questions. How do you feel? You know, is this work for you? Like, and so it, it's, it's fun and I'm trying to look at it as fun, right? And yeah, it's, it's been a really cool experience so far. Yeah. And Tamar gets on with me on the call today uh, with me with she's like, I coffee, I need coffee because I got up in the middle of the night. I'm like, you did what? (laughs) There's a meteor shower. A friend of mine actually had called me yesterday and said, hey, there's a meteor shower between 1 a.m. and 4 4 a.m. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be up. Um, But because she had come over last night we happened to wake up at three and I'm like, Hey, it's three o'clock. Let's go outside and check out this meteor shower. So we sat outside and just watched it for a little bit, which we didn't see a lot, but you know, it, I, it feels like I'm a teenager again. And which is a really cool feeling at the age of 46 to feel like you're a teenager again. Yeah. Well, and it's so new, not only a new relationship, but a whole new dynamic. And yeah. probably feels really good for you because it is authentic and true to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's probably exciting as well. Yeah. And having the friends that I do that have, 
you know, ask me, how is it? And they're not afraid to talk about it. That has helped a lot too, right? And that just shows the community that I built around me and that support network is really solid and they love me no matter what I do. And I've always, I think I've always known that. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to have people like that. I like that you were uh, mindful to think about people you were drawn to because you respected and appreciated them. So that caused your growth too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We help each other. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And, and our friends should push us. Yeah. Grow and the people, you know, our tribe around us should push us. Mm hmm. Absolutely. personal growth. So Tamar, what would you tell the listeners regarding your experience with this? <laughs> well, first of all, I just like to add that I think it's much more common than we know. Uh, I, what I found was when I started to open up to my close friends about it, they, you know, a lot of them, the same thing as you said, right? You may not be sexually attracted to a woman, but women are attractive. And I think because we have that, the amazing conversations, um, it's much more common than we think. Um, there was friends that had said, Oh yeah, I've, I've been with a, a, a woman sexually and now I'm with a man. So I, you know, talk about this stuff, right? Because you'd be really surprised at who has those same feelings or thoughts or has done it before and can give you advice or share their experience, right? And it just, what it did for me is it gave me this really safe space to explore this, uh, which has been really great. So that that would be the advice I would give is start talking about the things that are on your heart. If there's things in life that you want to do or you want to explore, don't don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend, right? Tell your your, your tribe and... I mean, the feedback you'll get is probably this like relief where, oh, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've learned a lot from my Z Gen daughter who, you know, she had a boyfriend. She went to the prom with a woman. Yep. And then she, you know, she's dating a man right now, but she did win her first year. She dated a couple of women and trying to explain that to my mother, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to explain that to her. She goes, but my best friend and I held hands and things mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, it's, it's a little different, but she's yeah. like, oh, they're best friends. I'm like, no, it's different. And, and I think that's something else we can learn from, um, these, this younger generation, especially yeah. disease who were born into this and are embracing all these different facets of themselves. I, yeah, I was actually having this conversation with my co-host and that generation is just so open-minded now and they talk about it and it's okay to explore their sexuality. Like I think had that been the case, you know, when we were younger, things may have turned out differently, you know, and, I just, I really admire that, the the openness and that it's okay to love who you want to love because, you know, there's a lot of division in the world right now. And I think they're going to be the ones to change the world. I mean. Yeah. And I, I noticed the, the, the shame isn't there. Yes. Of their body or how they feel or who they yeah. love. It's just, it's non-existent and they're comfortable in their skin. And I'm like, well, gosh, I, we didn't experience that. No. <laughs> We sure didn't. Well, thank you, Tamar. Tell us a little bit how people can find you. 
Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so grateful that we connected a year ago and it just goes to show you, right? We meet people for a reason, which is very cool. Um, but you can find everything at our website. It's your, with the E on the end, your sober now uh, That's the website. That's the podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram. My co-host and I, you know, she's got 25 years of sobriety. So it's a really cool dynamic because she's kind of like the, almost my mentor in a way. And I get to share my experience at 10 years, but um, that's where we hang out. Yes. And I'm, like I said, it was been over a year that I met Tamar and I just right away were on the phone and I, you called me about business stuff and then we ended up chatting it up and said, I'm like, oh, you are so part of my tribe. And I'm yeah. like, like, oh, sister, you know, right, right away. And, you know, yeah. feeling that. And I, listeners, I think it's just like, find, find the people who speak to your heart. And um, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you. And I'm so excited for this new journey of yours. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Likewise, it's, it's, you know, people can say what they want about uh, the pandemic, but it has allowed us to connect with people we normally wouldn't have met. Exactly. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast and the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, love and mindset coach. Here to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us, because I know you have myriad of podcasts that you can listen to. Don't forget to subscribe, to ring the bell, to like. It helps the podcast so very much. And Tell your friends about the podcast so they can listen too. If you're interested in joining the Relationship Rebellion community, you can find us on Facebook at the Love Anarchy Podcast. I'd like to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote. Love is the only true power. <laughs>